Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. We're going to continue tonight, church, in the third part of this message um, that we've been looking at called The King is Coming. Amen? How many of you know that the Lord is going to return? Amen? How many of you believe that, like with conviction in your heart? You know, we believe this because we understand what his word says, amen? And his word is faithful. His word will not return void. If Jesus said he was going to return, he will, in fact, return, amen? And so I want us to just continue in this, and I pray that this whole message is preparing our hearts to receive the Lord, amen? Preparing our hearts and readying our hearts for his return. If... if, if you're like me, I like to be prepared. Amen? I like to be prepared for anything that I do, whether it's preaching the word of God or whether it's, you know, uh, helping somebody. I like to be prepared. Today, I'll give you an example of what preparation can do for you. I go, uh, get home from work, and, and, and uh, I got a few minutes before I have to go pick up my daughters from school, and I get in my car, and I'm in the car, and I I realize that the car doesn't have a lot of gas. And so I don't know if, if, if you're a person that waits till it gets to the end before you fill up or if you keep it, you know, always, you know, filled up. Either way, I had to go get some gas. I said, all right, it's time for me to get gas. I pull into the gas station and I put gas. And as I fill up the car with gas, I'm like, all right, the car's full of gas. Let's go. And I go to turn on the car and guess what? It doesn't start. I said, what is going on? So I'm there, and I'm pushing the button because this car doesn't have, like, a key. It's got the button, which I don't know why they did that, but, you know, the car's got a button to turn on now. So I'm pushing the button, and it just goes, and it never turns on. I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, well, this is weird because this has never happened to me. So I'm sitting there, and now it's never happened in this car. I've had other cars where it's done that, but this car has never done that. So I'm sitting there bewildered, you know, in the car. I'm sweaty. I'm hot because the car's not on. It's 105 degrees outside. And I keep pressing the button, and guess what? It does not turn on. So I'm sitting there for like 5, 10 minutes, and I'm thinking, okay, what do I do? And, and before, it was making the sound like it wanted to turn on, but it never turned on. So as I, as I keep pressing the button to turn this thing on, I'm like, okay, Lord, like, turn this thing on. Now I'm praying, you know, you know, how many of you know that, you know, if it, if it, if it doesn't work and you can't fix it on your own, you got to start praying, right? I probably should have prayed from the beginning, but I, I, I'm pushing the button and the thing does not want to turn on. So I'm there and I'm like getting desperate and there's a guy next to me filling up, you know, he's got gas cans in the back of his truck and he's putting gas in his gas cans. And I look at him and, and, and he's looking at me like, what's wrong with your car? I'm like, I don't know. So I tell him, I said, I said, can you help me, you know, jump the car, you know, jumpstart the car? And he's like, I don't have cables. And I was like, I have cables. So he looks at me, he's like, all right. So he gets his truck and he brings his truck and he parks it right in front of my car. And thank God his truck was working. We get the cables, we put them on there, we connect everything and boom, turns right on. Imagine with me for a second if I didn't have the connection. Imagine with me if I didn't have what I needed 
I'd probably still be at the gas station in Edinburgh right now, and you wouldn't be hearing me preach the word of God to you. Being prepared in our hearts is something that the Lord is looking for, or from us, rather, every single moment. Being prepared is being ready all the time and every day. Before the night's over, I believe that we'll have an opportunity to ready our hearts if we haven't fully gotten them ready. If we haven't fully looked inside of our heart and said, you know what, Lord, am I ready to receive you? If you came right now, Jesus, would I be gone from this earth? If you decided to return right now, Lord, is my heart clean, Lord? Is my heart for, has it forgiven, Lord, the people that have sinned against me? Has it forgiven those, Lord, that have offended me, God? Where is my heart with you? Where is my standing with you, Lord? How am I in my, in my life, in my walk with you? Am I, am I living for you, Jesus, or am I not living for you? If you came right now, Lord, would there be things that I would say, hold on, Jesus, I'm not ready for you to come because, because I've got to deal with this first. Where are we in our hearts? Amen? I want to talk to you for a few moments about the law and lawlessness, and then I'll bring us back around. The verses that we've been looking at is in 2 Thessalonians. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And this is where we've been the last several weeks. But I found some really odd or weird laws that I want to read to you tonight. In the state of California, if a frog dies during a frog jumping contest, it cannot be eaten. It's pretty weird. In Florida, you are not allowed to toss a small person. These are real laws. Okay? I know you're looking at me like, are you serious? In Indiana, a liquor store cannot sell chilled water or soda. Makes no sense. In Minnesota, any game in which participants attempt to capture a greased or oiled pig is illegal. <laughs> These are laws. Did you know that in the state of Texas, atheists aren't allowed to run for office? That's a great law. Amen? <laughs> That's a fantastic law, especially because of us. We live here in Texas, amen? Are you thankful that we have no atheists running our, our, our political offices, amen? That's a good one. And in West Virginia, it's illegal to use a ferret to hunt. I don't know why anybody would use a ferret to hunt, but just so you know, in West Virginia, you can't do it. It's illegal. Now, these are pretty interesting and weird and odd laws, and the reason I'm bringing these up to you is if imagine with me for a second a society with no law. Now, all these things we would probably never do, right? All these things, I'm not thinking about eating a frog that, you know, didn't, whatever the law was, you know, that died during the frog jumping contest. I would never think of doing such a thing. But just in case I did, I can't do it in California because it's illegal, Right? So we see that laws are, are really interesting. And laws are, are, are given to us and, they, and they're, they're put in place because there's certain things that we should or we shouldn't do. Amen? There's certain things that we have to understand about laws and why laws exist. Because here's the deal. If you could drive as fast as you want with no ticket or no fine or no penalty, that would be a lawless society. 
Imagine how many, there's already enough like deaths by accident, right? A lot of car, people killed in car crashes and motorcycle crashes and killed by drunk drivers. But just imagine if there was no law. Imagine if there was no speed limit. So people could be driving 100 miles an hour through your neighborhood and there was no law to prevent somebody from doing that. Imagine with me if you could steal or murder or lie or cheat without any repercussion. Think about that. Hopefully nobody's thinking about stealing or murdering or lying, but we can understand how ugly the world could get if the law didn't exist. Amen? Are you following me tonight? There would be problems and there would be so much things wrong with our society if no law existed. Think about it. If we were living in a lawless society, prisons wouldn't exist. Because there's no, there's no repercussions for bad moral actions. So a prison wouldn't need to exist because there's no law. If a person murdered another person, where would you put them? Because it's not a bad thing because that's what a lawless society looks like. There would be no behavioral center because whatever behavior people wanted to exhibit would be acceptable. I'm saying this for a reason because in today's society... In the nation that you and I are living in, in our communities that we are living in right here and right now, we see that there is a budding trend towards lawlessness. We see that all of a sudden what used to be moral law, things that we would never do, things that people would never do in plain sight, we are seeing them happen in plain sight today. What does this mean, Pastor Duke? Why are you telling us about lawlessness? Because in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we'll read it in just a second, we see that the work of lawlessness and the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. This is one of the verses that we covered last week. It's already at work. I don't know about you. I don't really watch the news, to be honest with you, but... My social media feeds sometimes give me news stuff that I see. And in seeing social media, at times I've seen groups of people, massive groups of people by 15s, 20s, 30s sometimes, just go into department stores. And how many of you know what I'm talking about? They just walk into department stores with a mask on or sometimes with no mask on, and they just grab whatever's there. It could be TVs, it could be clothes, it could be jewelry, it could be anything that they can carry out and they just walk out. And you want to know why they walk out? Because there is a law in the state of California that actually prevents the workers and the people that work there, it prevents them from doing anything about it. So guess what people are going to do? They're just going to walk in the store and grab whatever they want. But those of us who know Jesus, those of us that actually have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we would never do such a thing because we live with conviction. Amen? We live with conviction, understanding what is right and what is wrong, what is darkness and what is light, what is evil and what is good. We live with that every single day in our life. But in today's society, we see that that work of lawlessness is actually happening. So we see men think that they're women. And we see women think that they're men. Why? Because they're not operating under the law that God established, which is divine order that says that there's only two that he created, man and woman. And a man can never be a woman, and a woman can never be a man. 
I don't care if you put a dress on. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you put lipstick on a pig. It's still not a woman. It's a pig. Amen. But this, this, this behavior, this, this budding, you know, you know, thing that's risen up amongst us, that's, that's you, know, you know, burst forth like leaven in our society is lawlessness. Lawlessness. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7 says, The secret power of lawlessness is already at work. So this confirms it, right? Like what I'm describing to you teaches us and shows us that lawlessness is already at work. It goes on to say, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. Verse 8, and then the lawless one will be revealed. Whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. Let's just pray for the word tonight. Lord, we bless your holy name and we honor you tonight, Jesus. And Father, I pray right now, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just speak in a powerful way to our, to our hearts, Lord. Open every heart, God, every ear, God. Let us be attentive to your word tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want us to focus on these verses that I just read, verses 7 and verse 8. And the first thing that we notice in verse 7 is the power of lawlessness is at work amongst us. Amen. Why? One, the Bible identifies it, right? We just read it. And two, we understand that humanity is living in it. We see it at work every single day. Now, sin is a mystery, and it's this unknown factor that, that you, know, you know, comes against human life, amen? But if our eyes are open to the word... If your eyes and my eyes are open to the word and we see the word of God and we see the things that are happening in the world, then we could clearly see that sin is at work amongst us. Amen? We can clearly see that sin is actually, you know, you know moving throughout the earth and we see, you know, the demonic, you know, things that are happening in our world. And the reason that these things are happening is because lawlessness, lawlessness. There is no law for the demonic. Think about it that way. There is no law for the demonic. That means that the enemy, the Bible says that he is the prince of this world. See, this world we're not looking forward to inherit. Amen? Pastor was sharing this on Sunday, and he was talking about not getting too comfortable being here. Amen? Because this is not our home. Amen? You are not going to live here forever. I pray that our hearts understand that. I pray that we don't get too comfortable here because if we get comfortable here, then guess what? We'll be swallowed up by the one who owns this place, and that's the enemy. But if we understand that this world is not our home, it's not our destination, it's not the eternal place that we desire to rest, then we need to understand this very thing, and that is this, is that even if we don't understand sin, even if we can't sometimes grasp all this ugliness that happens around us on a, on a daily basis, we must never forget that there is someone who does, and his name is Jesus. His name is the Holy Spirit. He is the Lord. He is the one to whom he has revealed not only our state of sin and sin that, you know, we were born into, but he is the one who frees us from it. Amen? How many of you have been set free through the blood of Jesus? Amen? Let me see your hands tonight. We thank God for that. Amen. We thank God that we are saved through the blood of Jesus, that when we were once enslaved, we're now set free through Jesus. 
The Holy Spirit, the person of God, is the one who uh, gives us you know, understanding and who reveals to our hearts who we are in the Lord. He reveals to us when you, when you came to Jesus, and I pray that you, you had this revelation. If not, I would question your knowledge of Jesus or I would question your relationship with Jesus. But when you came to Jesus, there was one thing that should have been very clear in your life, and that is that you didn't deserve him. Amen? And that is that we didn't deserve him. I'll never forget when I, when I came to the Lord and the Lord found me and, and the Lord rescued me and the Lord saved me. I knew that I was standing in front of the one from whom I was not, you know, worthy to stand in front of. I knew that I shouldn't even be there because he was holy and he was perfect and he was righteous. And I knew that I didn't deserve his love. I knew that I didn't deserve his forgiveness. I knew that I didn't deserve the punishment that he took for me. I didn't deserve to receive anything from the Lord. But because he loved me, because he loved me and he showed himself to me, I realized who I really was. I realized that I was a sinner in desperate need of saving. John chapter 16 teaches us about the Holy Spirit. In verse 8 says this. It says, when he comes, this is the Holy Spirit, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin. You know, if you ask people, if you just stood on a street corner and you asked 100 people, do you think you're a good person? Probably 99 would say, yeah. Probably most people would say, yeah, I think I'm a good person. I've never murdered. I've never, you know, uh, killed any, you know, I've never killed anybody. I've never done anything, you know, that's like really bad. I don't have a felony. I don't have anything on my record. Most people would think that they are good people people. But when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, the Holy Spirit reveals that side of us that we thought was good that is actually evil. Amen? The Holy Spirit begins to reveal what is true, our true makeup, our true DNA. And that, that is that we are sinners. The Bible says in the book of Romans, for all have sinned. Amen? We've all sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. But it says, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin. You see, a lot of people nowadays don't think that, that what they are doing is wrong. Amen? We see same-sex relationships. We see theft. We see murder. We see all these kinds of things. And guess what? These people don't think they're wrong. They say, love is love. And, you know, you know God loves me just the way that I am. Listen, that's not true. He'll love you in the condition that he finds you. But guess what? He loves you enough to free you from that thing so that it remains on your life no longer, so that it enslaves you no longer. And guess what? Love is actually telling the truth. The Bible says that God disciplines those that he loves. That means that he will correct us in our conviction. He will correct us about what we think is right or wrong. He'll change that. He'll help us to understand what is true sin. It goes on to say, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. He says about sin because people do not believe in me. The biggest sin that we could probably ever commit is to not believe in Jesus. 
Because not believing in Jesus will get us a destiny with an eternal hell. Amen. This is the truth of the word of God. He goes on to say, uh, because people do not believe in me. He says about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. Why was Jesus able to speak about righteousness and say that he was going to the Father? Because he became, he became the sin for us. Amen? He became the punishment and he became the redemption that we needed. And guess what? The only way that we get to the Father is through Jesus. The only way that we get to the Father is being by covered in the blood of the Lamb and having our names written in the Lamb's book of life. He goes on to say, and about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. The devil is defeated. Amen. Me and sister agree about that. I said the devil is defeated. When Jesus died, Satan was eternally defeated. Eternally. Oh, but Pastor Duke, he's still doing stuff. Guess what? His time will come. Amen. I said, guess what? His time's coming. And guess what? His time's running out. And guess what? When it runs out, he's defeated. Once and for all. He can torment no longer. He can speak lies no longer. He can do all the things that he does right now no longer. And so right now we see that the Holy Spirit is at work in the earth. How many of you are grateful for the Holy Spirit? Raise your hand. You better be grateful for the Holy Spirit. Because if you think it's tough now, imagine not having the Holy Spirit with you. If you think it's challenging now, if you think it's difficult to live for Jesus now, imagine not having the Holy Spirit with you. Imagine not having the Holy Spirit in the earth, the Holy Spirit speaking through his word, because he's the one that brings deep conviction in the hearts of men. He is the one church that, that works through mankind to preach the word of God. Amen. He is the one that works to teach others about Christ, to make disciples of Christ. He is the one that teaches us to pray and to intercede. Amen. He's the one that teaches us to worship and to bring glory to the Lord, to trust in the Lord. And so since Christ ascended into heaven after his resurrection, he promised that the Holy Spirit would come to abide in the hearts of his people. This is a promise of the Lord. Amen? He is the resurrector. He's the one that resurrects us back to life. He is the deliverer, the power, and the authority of Christ. Amen? The Holy Spirit is who we need today. And as the day of the Lord approaches, that is the day when the Lord returns to take us up to be with him forever. As the day of the Lord approaches, lawlessness will continue to grow. The evil that you see, it's going to keep happening. It's going to keep happening. Why is it going to keep happening? We'll talk about that in just a second. But my encouragement to us tonight is this, is that while we have opportunity now, we need to press in to the Lord even more. Amen? We need to press into the Lord even more. And so this leads us to our first point tonight. If you're taking notes, just jot this down. We need to trust in the keeping power of Christ. I'll say it one more time. We need to trust 
in the keeping power of Christ. Jude chapter 1 and verse 24 is a verse that I read at the end of last week's message. But it says this, To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. It says, To the only God our Savior be the glory and the majesty and the power and the authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. He is the one church in whom we need to trust. Amen? If we're trusting in the next elected leader, then we've got it backwards. Amen? If we're trusting more in our, in our, you know, our jobs, our careers, our pastors, our friends, you know, our family, you know, people like that, more than we trust in Jesus, then we've got it backwards. We need to trust first and foremost in Christ and in Christ alone. Because the scripture tells us that he is the only one who is able to keep us from falling. If you want to see Jesus and you want to receive him when he returns, then you must trust in Jesus because he's the only one that can keep you from falling. He is the only one that can keep us from drifting. The Bible says that he is an anchor for our soul. What does an anchor do? It holds it in place. If you've ever been in a boat, they have this big heavy thing and it's called an anchor. And when they're in, when they're in a place where they want to stay still, they throw the anchor overboard so that when, when the waves want to blow them this way, that anchor keeps them secure. They can't go anywhere because they're anchored. And the Bible says that Jesus is the anchor for our soul. He is the only one that will hold us firm when the world is trying to push us away. He is the only one that has the ability to hold us strong to himself when sin and when deceit and when, you know, just demonic forces are trying to pull us from the grips of the Lord. But we must understand this fact, and that is this right now. In this time that we are living in, there is a current restraint that is holding back the full force of lawlessness, and it is the Holy Spirit. That work that is happening even now will get worse. I have to emphasize this. It's not the nicest message you'll ever hear me preach. I understand this. But you need to know the truth. You need to know the truth. Some of y'all are looking at me like, Pastor Duke, this doesn't sound very nice. This doesn't sound very comforting. I'll get to that part in a minute. But the point that we need to know is that if we do not have Christ, we will slip away. If we do not have Christ, we will be like the scripture says, that wide and that broad path to destruction. But if we have Christ, the Bible says it is the narrow path that leads to life and life alone in Jesus. You might think, well, it seems as though darkness is winning. And the truth is, is that it's not that the Holy Spirit is less powerful today. Because the Holy Spirit is just as powerful today as he's always been. Amen. But the scripture teaches us that there is an increase of wickedness and deception and immorality in the season and the time that we are living in. And so what does that mean and how does that apply to trusting in Christ? I believe, church, that it's important for us to know this, that in the last days when it's time for the Antichrist to arise, the Lord is going to remove his restraint and against lawlessness, and that is the Holy Spirit. Now, something that we have to understand in this whole, you know, timeline of events is that is this, is when the Holy Spirit is removed from the earth, so are all the believers. 
Amen? We're not going to have to endure a society without the Holy Spirit. Okay? We're not going to have to go through that. We're not going to have to exist in that. You know, it almost feels like that at times because we see so many ugly things happening. But the scripture, we go back to that verse that we read in 2 Thessalonians. It says, the one who now holds it back, which is lawlessness, will continue to do so until he's taken out of the way. So when Jesus returns for his church, what happens? The Holy Spirit is going with him. And guess what? There's going to be a lot of people that are still going to be remaining in the earth. There's going to be a lot of people that are still here that still exist. The church is going to be gone. The bride of Christ is going to be resurrected and raptured to be with the Lord forever. But guess what? There's still going to be people here. And if you think you've seen lawlessness now, imagine what lawlessness will look like then. There will be zero conviction to stop anybody from doing anything. Right now, there's believers that, you know what, they don't even have to believe in Jesus. But did you know that the Lord was at work in your life even before you gave your heart and surrendered your life to him? Amen. I believe it's the Holy Spirit at work in the lives of people even before they acknowledged him as Lord that stopped them from committing suicide or stopped them from doing something ugly or prevented them from being killed before it was their time. The Holy Spirit's always been at work. But there will be a day that when the Lord raptures his church, the Holy Spirit is going with him. And those who remain behind, they will have no conviction of what sin is. They'll have no conviction in their life. They won't know the difference between good and evil. It's gone. The opportunity to know it is, is, has left the building. And so lawlessness will be allowed to run rampant all throughout the earth and and rampage will be part of the judgment falling upon the earth. And so men will be allowed to do their own thing, live as they desire to live. And there's going to be this final time that mankind will be able to live out whatever evil desires, you know, that they wanted for their life. They will get their wish and they will be left to themselves without God interfering. There will be a time that that will happen. Think about this for a second. Think about your worst day of sin and struggle. Just think about that for a second. Think about the worst day of your sin and your struggle. Remember the guilt and the shame. Remember the the, the condemnation that came over your heart. Remember how the enemy just, you know, berated your heart and your mind with lies and with things that that you can never, you know, God would never accept you back, that the Lord would never receive you, the Lord would never forgive you for the things that you did or said because, because you're guilty of them, because you know that you failed God. You're unworthy of being a child of God. Remember that time. Remember that just for a moment. Remember the enemy's lies when he told you to stop pursuing Jesus. Remember those moments when he said, don't, you don't need to seek God. Just go back to the world. Just go back to the ways that you used to live. Listen, God's not real and all these things. Remember how the enemy tried to get you to purge your belief in him, that there was no way for you to be delivered of your sin. Remember the deceit that the enemy placed in your heart and in your life saying, it's okay if nobody knows about it. Think about all those things just for a moment. On that day when all lawlessness is freed, men will no longer have even the slightest amount of conviction for their sins because the Spirit of the Lord will not be here to comfort, convict, correct, or redeem you anymore. 
Psalms 81 and verse 11 says, My people would not listen to me, and Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. Listen to me, church. Now is not the time to be stubborn. Amen? Now is not the time to be stubborn with the Lord. I don't want anybody wrestling with God. I want us to just surrender and give up. Amen? Wave the white flag and say, Lord, I'm done. I'm done. I surrender, Lord. Take me to be with you forever. I can't imagine that day. But that day will arrive for those who do not believe in Jesus. And so the keeping power that only Christ can offer is for today. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Amen? Today is the day. Tomorrow is promised to who? To nobody. We make plans. We think. We say, Lord, you know, uh, oh, I'm going to do this next week. And God, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to, you know, we, we live sometimes too far ahead. When today is the day of salvation. Amen. Psalms chapter 9 and verse 9 says, The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed. A stronghold in times of trouble. It says, Those who know your name will trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. He'll never forsake you for seeking after him. That means he'll never turn his back on you. Psalm 62 and verse 7 says, My salvation and my honor depend on God. It says, He is my mighty rock and my refuge. It says, Trust in him at all times, O people, and pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Amen? There will be a day without refuge. There will be a day without shelter or salvation or freedom from oppression. But as the day of the Lord's return gets closer, we need to continue to trust in the Lord. You see, those who don't and those who don't humble themselves before God or submit themselves to the will of God will miss out on that train of glory. Amen? They'll miss out on the Lord. Quickly, I want to offer us three things to be kept in the Lord. The first is this is abide or remain in him. Abide or remain in him. John 15 and verse 4 says, Remain in me and what? And I will remain in you. If you remain in him, he will remain in us. But do you notice how the choice begins with us? It's our choice. Amen? He's not going to force you. You choose to sit with him. You choose to commune with him. You choose to open his word. You choose to spend time in prayer. You choose those times where you worship the Lord. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you because no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. It says, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. He said, I am the vine and you are the branch. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. He says, but apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and it withers. And such branches are picked up and they're thrown into the fire and they are burned. They are thrown into the fire and they are burned. That word abide in the Greek, it, it has a range of possible translations and meanings, but 
Some of those translations and meanings, it means to remain. It means to stay, to lodge with, to wait for, to keep on, to continue to exist with, to persist, to reside, to tarry, to stand fast, or to stand firm in battle. That one word, abide, means all of those things. How many of you need the Lord in battle? Amen. How many of you need the Lord, you know, to remain in your life when, 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 when you need him? Amen. But we have to remain in him. That means that we have to tarry. That word tarry is the same word that is used when, when the 120 were in the upper room waiting for the promised Holy Spirit. The Bible says that they tarried. That word tarry means to wait with purpose. It doesn't mean to just simply wait. It's like, Lord, I'm waiting. You never did anything. You never showed up. You never said anything. No, we wait with expectation. We wait with purpose. We're waiting. Why? Because he promised he was coming. You see, they were waiting every single day. They were in that upper room in prayer. They were waiting because they said, we know you're coming. And guess what? I'm not going to move until you get here. I'm not going to move, Lord, in my position, in my heart, Lord. I'm not going to move, Lord, my family from the knowledge of your word and the knowledge of who Jesus is. But I'm going to remain in you, Lord. I am going to persist. Even if I look like a fool in the eyes of the world, Lord, I will remain with you. The Bible says that, that the, the gospel and the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are what? Perishing. But to those who believe... It's the truth, amen? It's life. We, you may look like a fool in the eyes of the world and you may be the last one in your family that is still hanging on to Jesus, but guess what? Even if you remain in him, he will remain in you and he will rescue you. He will rescue you, my friend. The secret to abiding in Christ is found in these verses in John 15, and that is this, is that Jesus wants to spend time with you. Did you know that? What a beautiful thing. The Lord wants to spend with, more time with you than you could even imagine. The Lord wants to, to, to converse with you. The Lord wants you to sit down with him. The Lord wants to dine with you. You remember that verse in the book of Revelation? In Revelation chapter 3, he said, I stand at the door and I knock. Why does he stand at the door and knock? So that we can let him in. We can let him in. We can say, Lord, sit down with me. Sit down with me. Teach me. Show me, Lord. Transform me, God. The Lord wants to spend time with us. Think about time just for a second. Time is our most valued and prized commodity. You will never be able to get time back. Do you know that? Once today turns on the calendar, there's no such thing as a time machine to take us back. You can't go back to repent of yesterday's sin. You can't go back to do the work that the Lord told you to do yesterday to obey him the previous day. We can't go back in time. And so time is the most valued thing that the Lord is asking from us. Why? Because we only have a moment on this earth to sit still 
to be with him. It's from that place, church, where we sit and we abide with the Lord that we are transformed into his likeness. You see, those that remain in him, they don't have to fake their fruit. Amen? Those that remain in the Lord, they don't have to fake their fruit. They don't have to put on a show for people. They don't have to act a certain way. Those that are truly alive in the Lord don't have to pretend to walk in authority. They display it. Why? Because you've sat with the king. They don't have to pretend that, you know, there's something that they're not. Those that are in him don't need to try to convince others of their righteousness, but they are righteous already through Christ because they've sat with him. They've sat with him. Those that remain in Christ are rooted and they're steadfast and they're strong and they're not blown away by every wind of doctrine that flies by. Why? Because they've remained in the Lord. Colossians 2 and verse 6 says this, So then, just as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. So as you've received him as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, Strengthen in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Secondly, in order to be kept in the Lord, we must remain in his word. How many of you brought your Bibles tonight? Praise the Lord. John 15 verse 7 says, if you remain in me and my what? My words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. He said, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now we see again the power of remaining in him. And what is that power? It's authority. We do not get authority just because we've simply asked Jesus to be in our heart and in our life one day. The authority comes by remaining in him. And notice what he says. He said, ask whatever you wish. That's, that's pretty interesting. Do you want to know why the Lord would trust those that remain in him to ask whatever they wish? Because when you're connected to him, you don't ask what you would wish for. You ask what he would want. Your prayer life completely changes. You don't ask for the things, oh, Lord, I want a big house and a big car and a big fat bank account, Lord. Why? Because when you sit next to Jesus, that's not his heart. And you won't pick up on those things. You won't desire those things because guess what? The Lord is humble. Amen? Those are the things that we seek after in the world. Those are the things that we seek after in the, in the flesh, in the secular sense. But when you sit down with the Lord, you begin to pray what the Lord wants. Oh, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven, let your kingdom come and your will be done, Lord. We begin to pray and we begin to, our, our prayer language begins to change because the Lord gives authority to those who obey his word. If people try to ask whatever they wish or they try to ask whatever they want or pray without obedience to his word or without alignments to his word, they'll find themselves frustrated because it seems like the Lord will never act on their behalf. You see, a frustrated prayer life will happen because they're not living in obedience to the word of the Lord. And any time it seems as though the prayers are unanswered or unheard, it's not because God doesn't have a solution or the Lord is deaf. It's because only those who remain 
receive what was asked for. Only those who wait on the Lord will receive what was asked for. You know, one of the greatest misunderstandings about prayer and its fulfillment comes from the tendency to pray without taking sufficient account of Jesus and his word. He said, if my words abide in you, ask. From that place, not just simply asking, if my word, it abides in you, then you ask. Jesus clearly specifies that prayer is an extension of his own word. Prayer is an extension of his own words. Answered prayer is therefore that of the disciple who is indwelt by the words of Jesus. That means the word of the Lord lives inside of their heart. And so when they pray, their prayer life is completely different. They're full of the words of the Lord and the disciple is full of the word of God because he lives by the word. So much so to the point where his or her prayer flows from, you know, their life, not in, from the word of God, rather, and not just their own logical extension or their logical thinking. It's not an expression of their dreams or desires, but it's an expression of the heart of God. Jeremiah chapter 15 and verse 16 says this, when your words came, I ate them. When the word of God comes to your life, do you just consume it? Do you just gobble it up? Are you just ready to like, man, that's what I need. I need to take this in. This is my bread. This is my sustenance. This is what's keeping me alive right now. Because he says, when your words came, I ate them and they were my joy and my heart's delight for I bear your name. In Job 23 and verse 12, he said, I've not departed from the commands of his lips. What is that? Uh, He hasn't departed from the word of God. He says, but I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. Jesus alludes to this in Matthew 4 when he said that man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. There's life in the word of God. There's life in the words that he's spoken. And finally, this is we need to remain in the love of God. Remain in the love of the Lord. What does that look like? John 15 and verse 9, Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. You see, sin has a way from trying to separate us from the love of God. Sin and lawlessness at work within our hearts, that rebellion that rises in our flesh, it it, it causes us to not see who we actually are in Jesus. It causes us to go into a place that the Lord never intended us to go into, and that is outside of his love. And he says, if you obey my commands, then you will remain in my love. You will stay here. You will stay in that place where you never don't experience a day without my love. He said, just as I've obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. You would lack absolutely nothing because you've remained. You've stayed. John 17 and 23 says, I in them and you in me. This is Jesus praying for us. If you haven't read John 17, this is where Jesus is praying for every person that would believe on his name. He said, I am in them, Lord, and you are in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and I have loved them even as you have loved me. 
Father, I want those that you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory that you have given me because you've loved me before the creation of the world. Obedience to the word of God keeps you in his love. If you've been feeling unloved, ask yourself, have you been obedient? If you've been feeling unworthy of his love, ask yourself, have you pained the heart of God? Have you done something that cut the heart of God? Because it was disobedience to his word. You see, the lost and those who are unready to receive the Lord, that those that don't believe in him, they need a taste of the love of God. They need to know what you know. And my prayer for us tonight is this, is I pray that you would be ready. Should the Lord come back, that you would be ready in your heart, you would have made up your mind that if you are, you know, one foot in and one foot out, that you would be completely in, that you would be completely surrendered. Because listen to me, church. Listen to me and understand the urgency with why I'm preaching this message in the first place is because the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. The Lord is going to return. That shouldn't strike fear into your heart. All it should do is cause us to say, Lord, let me get ready, Lord. Let me be prepared, God. I don't want to be like the five foolish virgins that waited to get their lampstands ready, that waited, God, that took too long, Lord. I need to be ready now. I need to be ready now because, Lord, you will return and you will come back for your people. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org.